Hi, I'm Sarah Grace McCandless, and this is On Brand. One of my favorite industries, both professionally and personally, is the streaming services industry. I used to work in television, both on the brand um, side and, and had television clients as well. And it's an area that has just really grown, a lot of innovation. The way in which we approach content and watch it and absorb it has really changed dramatically over the past couple of years. My guest today certainly knows something about that. Greg Diefenbach is Managing Director of Magellan TV, which is a newer platform in the space solely focused on documentaries with an international reach. We're going to talk about Magellan TV today, how it came to be, and Greg's experience in this industry. Greg, welcome to OnBrand. Sarah Grace, thank you so much. I'm really glad to be with you today. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited to have you on. I am a documentary fan through and through, and I like all different kinds. And, you know, Magellan TV really fits the bill on that front. I want to talk about how Magellan came to be, but let's start with you. Your background, I, I know a little bit about through my research, is really impressive. But could you share with our viewers and listeners how you got involved in this industry? Sure, sure. I'm happy to. Well, I feel really fortunate because, you know, I got involved in documentary television really when the whole cable documentary television world was taking off. So National Geographic channels were taking off and Discovery Channel had just recently been launched and was growing very quickly. And so there was an explosion in documentary production, which created all kinds of opportunity to share exciting stories that people hadn't seen before in new ways. I mean, now we had, you know, not just a show you could watch, you know, a quarterly on a network, now you could see documentary fair every day. I mean, this was when um, breakthrough programming was happening, like um, uh, Ken Burns' Civil War had recently aired. And so documentaries were becoming um, something people talked about on a regular basis. And this was the kind of the excitement and energy that, you know, fueled me and so many of our colleagues uh, in the industry. And then over time, you know, you, you just, you couldn't help but want to cater to people's particular passions. And as great as all that cable distribution was, you still couldn't cater particular programs to particular audience segments. Um, and then when we saw this VOD revolution taking place, it was kind of like a light bulb went off and we said, here it is. Now we can do this. We can we can bring people the programming that they're passionate about. And that's really kind of what the genesis of, of uh, our whole uh, company has been for the last 10 plus years. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you know, really think about the way that we kind of approached that space before. And you mentioned something I think that really resonates across multiple industries, and that's this personalization and customization and really being able to cater to specific wants and needs. So talk to me a little bit about Magellan. There is a very specific focus there. How did how did it go down that documentary um, road and how did this all come together? Who's the think tank behind Magellan TV? Yes. Well, you know, I, to be candid, uh, Magellan TV and uh, our, our effort has really been our particular a personal passion. It wasn't so much that we thought this was a great business opportunity. It, it was the personal passion of myself and my partner, Tom Lucas. Um, we've both worked in talk documentary television our entire careers. Um, Tom, if you've ever gone to like um, planetarium and seen one of those big 
dome uh, projections. That's been Tom's kind of expertise as a science documentarian himself. Um, and we felt that we wanted to figure out a way to bring the best in thoughtful documentary television to a global audience. And that was the genesis of Magellan TV. Wow, that's great. Um, you know, doc, you know, documentaries is really interesting because this is like factual content. So it's a little bit different. That, and there's something to be said for both. You know, I have my favorites that fall onto either side of the spectrum, my more fictionalized um stories and and content and series and then the nonfiction side the documentary side i love true crime i love anything having to do with sort of health and science and understanding uh you know spirit mind body um what do you think draws people towards that factual content do you think that that's changed in recent years as well hmm uh, you know, everybody's got the things they're passionate about. Humans are questing curious creatures. And we feel good when we feel like we're expanding our knowledge of the world. Whatever your particular passion is, there's a hunger to increase that knowledge. And um, I, I think that's really what drives it. Uh, you know, you want to feel like you're spending your time well and you can feel good about it. And you know, we we've we came up with a for Magellan TV, we call it TV worth watching, because you don't want to waste your time. You want your time to be meaningful. And and that's particularly challenging, by the way, in a world that's awash in content. There is no shortage of content in the world. You know, we years ago we used to think about how do you get access to content? How many hours could you have online? How would you gather sufficient volume to attract people? Well, you know, honestly, volume's not really such a great thing anymore. Volume of content, while important to have the volume of content, really what people want is curation, right? You don't want to go wading through thousands of hours or tens of thousands of hours to go find something that you want to watch. You want help in making sure that that time you spend is well spent. And um, that's why the editorial aspect of VOD uh, uh, channel creation is so important. You really have to know and have a feel for what that audience is going to want so that they'll stay with you, feel like they're continuing to be excited about it, feel like they're continuing to grow and, and really build a community around that experience. I think that's such a great point because when I think about sort of the user experience with these types of platforms, you're right. There is a curation that happens there. I mean, you know, I was watching, um, I was looking on Magellan TV this past weekend and I loved how it was categorized and there was some navigation I could do myself. And there were some things that served up sort of different buckets to me and not just based sort of on genre um, or, or type, but there were some other different kind of clusters that come there. Um, what drives that? I mean, are the, uh, those insights that you get from your viewers? Are you kind of looking at other organic behaviors as well? And oh, is there yeah. kind of correlation there um, maybe to other touch points that you have um, with the consumer? Sure. Well, this is, this is the alchemy of the art and science of mm -hmm. uh, curation, right? So we have uh, an immense amount of data on where people land, what they watch, how long they watch it, what they tend to look for afterwards. And we can then help build the experiences based on that kind of algorithmic data. Um, that's very useful. But if you only look at that, if you only are driven by the data, 
you miss the opportunity to share something new and exciting with a viewer. So this is where you have to, so while you can help use that data to build an experience, you have to be able to interject your own editorial ideas about some show that's different in some way that it wouldn't algorithmically be linked to their previous experiences, but that you have a gut instinct is going to bring something fresh and exciting to their experience. And so we're constantly balancing both of those things to make sure that Magellan TV can really be a place where it's television worth watching and feels fresh and exciting every time you come. Yeah, I think you're right. And it um, there's something there too about the data. I love what you said about that. I've had a lot of conversations on this show about the importance of data, both qualitative and quantitative, looking at behavioral data too. And listen, I... I love that, though. I love as a consumer, as a viewer, as a patron of something, when something has been cur curated for me and I'm, I find myself nodding my head and saying, yeah, I want that or I want to watch that or that sounds interesting to me. And I love how the streaming space has like really the VOD space has really taken hold of this. Oh, it, yeah. It's something I think other brands can learn from. And that's another thing I love um, about these conversations on the show is Look, we're here today. We have a very specific vertical and industry we're talking about, but you've got some things that you've got your eye on that I think others can learn from. And another thing of that, you know, is kind of story and, and driving connection. Um, how do you think that that works in your space in a way that maybe other brands can consider when they're thinking about crafting their own stories or something to be borrowed or gleaned there? It's a great question. You know, I, I've done some thinking about this with the team and we've been through lots of data. We all read all the industry articles and, and kind of what I've come to believe about this online viewing experience is that as people spend more and more time in front of their screens and with their phones, on their laptops, they look to these destinations for much more than just traditional entertainment. And it makes sense. If you're spending more of your life in a place, you need that place to fulfill more of your life needs. And as a viewer, you're not just seeking entertainment anymore. Um, you're seeking a sense of connectivity. You're seeking a sense of community, a sense of belonging, a sense of um, revelation and um, guide to help you explore new areas of interest. And so as a... Um, programmer, and to call that in a very broad sense, as the people who uh, program and create Magellan TV, I think we have a, um, a responsibility, uh, perhaps is a strong way to say it, but, but at least there's an interest in helping to create a more holistic experience. So the person that's using and participating in the Magellan TV community, they get more out of it than just entertainment. It's got to be bigger than that in a world where people are spending so much time online. Yeah, you're right. And I think there there's an inherent um, uh, behavior there about sharing, though. And I, I'll tell you something that is true from the heart and actually happened this weekend with Magellan TV and a personal experience I had. I was watching a documentary called The Gut, The Second Brain. I told you I love things mm -hmm. that have to do with sort yeah, of health. That's a great show. Love it that. is is fascinating. Now, just prior to watching this, one of my best friends, Frayne, was um, texting me about something related to this, too. And I said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you just brought this up. I'm watching a documentary 
on this very same subject. And so I think that community is built around this shared love. And in your case, a shared knowledge and exchange of knowledge with this factual content. I mean, do you, do you hear that from your, your viewers and subscribers as well? Is that something you see and discuss and does it go into your, your planning and strategy? Yes, you, you can see it online as people chat um, mm-hmm. in different spaces, um, Twitter, other places about the, the shows. And you can see that there's a, this sense of reward that comes from sharing your ideas about it and your reactions. Um, and I think we all know at least some there's some anecdotal story in everyone's life about a piece of content you've either received or talked about and shared with somebody else. And if, if you see something that you like and you find it fulfilling, and then you send it to somebody else. There's kind of an exchange of value. It's almost like gift giving. And it mm-hmm. binds you together as a community because you're giving each other things. And you're also in the giving of something. You're revealing something about yourself. You, you feel good about some aspect of your reaction to this, your emotional reaction to the show. You feel good about that in a way you want to both share and give, but also it represents you in some way. And you want to feel good about how you're being represented as you share things. And so all of those things kind of go into this, um, this, this, this cycle of giving of content. And I, I think, you know, the technology just makes that more and more accessible, more and more possible. And honestly, I think it's only just begun. I think it's going to be even easier and it's going to be faster and it's going to be more fluid. And, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, I, I just think the, the world to come is going to be even better. Yeah, I agree. And and you're right. And there are those people that are probably within your own circles and community that um, that you have certain things that you lean into or share or learn from. My friend Fran, I mentioned, you know, she is an artist and a writer. She's incredibly um, knowledgeable when it comes to things about mind, body, spirit. So I find myself wanting to share those things with her. And I have other friends who might be a little bit more on the business or technical side, you know, and there is so much that kind of falls into that space, particularly within the Magellan offerings as well. I mean, you really have um, a broad spectrum within that factual content. The other thing about Magellan is, you know, this is a global platform. Can you talk to me a little bit about about that and, and maybe anything that you're seeing differences and similarities from the different regions that you uh, cater to? Hmm, that, that's a great question. Um, so when we started Magellan TV, on, quite honestly, candidly, we, I thought it would be, uh, Tom and I, as we talked about it, we thought it would likely be a very US-centric kind of audience. Um, this was, of course, the space that had up until you know very recently been kind of the dominant force in video on demand. Um, and we just didn't anticipate how fast the growth would be outside the U.S. So, you know, we're a new service, but very quickly it went from a U.S. dominated service to almost a 50-50 with worldwide. So you know, 60% of our audience is still in the U.S., um, but it's now 40% outside the borders and growing. So pretty quickly, I think, you know, we will truly be a, a global service programming for a global audience of which a segment, a significant segment is in the U.S. Um, and that that's fine. Uh, I think that's just wonderful. Um, it creates challenges uh, for just technical challenges for uh, our service because we want to localize as much as possible. So there's a lot of foreign language translation. Mm-hmm. Um, the service has to be managed uh, because, of course, the rights, we do not always have global rights to everything. So there's terror to the stream is different in different territories. Um, but those are all just te- small technical issues. The more important part 
is that you are able to build uh, a global audience that can share globally. I mean, that's that, you know, when I see people in um, Berlin uh, texting uh, with people in Australia about a particular show that they enjoyed, I just think that's great. I love it. Yeah, well, and it really connects us globally and not just um, locally, too. And speaking, you know, globally, I mean, obviously, globally, we were all connected by, you know, crisis in this last year, too, with this pandemic. And streaming is one of those things that I talk a lot about kind of comfort and critical needs. And, you know, we all leaned into that streaming even more so, I think, because we were home. And also we found ways to connect through streaming, um, you know, whether it was watching things together and co-viewing or, you know, watching things and then just finding a way to talk about those things even more to stay connected during these times. Um, you know, we're in 2021 now, things are starting to evolve and change. We're not quite out of the woods or anything like that yet. I'm curious if there were any, any impacts from your point of view and anything that you might carry forward as a business and an organization, some learnings coming out from this last year. Yeah. So, I mean, this last year has been, you know, incredibly trying for everyone um, and globally such a tragedy um, for if you were in the home entertainment business in this last year, uh, you learned a lot. There was um, uh, obviously a lot of uptake in the service itself. I think we were not alone in that. There was a lot of uptake in streaming services. Um, and as we watched those numbers surge, um, as everyone went into lockdown around the world, um, you had to ask yourself, is, is this a, you know, a, a momentary phenomenon? Is this something that's going to continue? Um, and the good news, uh, I mean, for, for, uh, for the streaming services, at least for our service, has been that it didn't really drop off much uh, after people started coming out of lockdown subscription is still really high engagement is still really high and so i think people have formed some new patterns i mean certainly we all formed new patterns doing this um being on zoom and talking <laughs> to each other uh and we formed some new patterns i think as a viewing audience we kind of i think broke through some of those technological hurdles that people were you know they were, they were locked into their own traditional ways of viewing content um and uh, and then they, you know, being in COVID and lockdown, people sort of said, well, I'm finally going to figure out how to use my Roku device, or I'm finally going to figure out how to get these streaming services. And they did. And, um, and now they're much more, much more comfortable with that. Um, and going forward, um, I think some of those habits will, will carry forward. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the word content. We've talked about that a lot. It's a word we hear often now. I, and I think really, you know, the roots of the roots really do lend themselves to that, entertainment, television, media, film space. But we hear it all the time in terms of social content, content, online content, um, not necessarily related to kind of the streaming space. What do you what do you think gives content meaning? And is there anything that you would, if you could wave a magic wand and, and change in terms of people's perception of content, what would that be? Well, I mean, if we're talking about the documentary space, really, it you <laughs> the trick is always how does that content connect with the person's own particular passions and interests? And we do our best to determine what we think they're going to care about. Um, but, you know, that, 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 as I say, that's really more alchemy than science. And, um, and you don't really necessarily know what's going to become a hit and really resonate with people. Um, you know, for example, I think back over the last few years, we had a show on the service called the science of bubbles. 
Okay. Now, if you'd asked me whether the science of bubbles was going to be one of the blockbusters on Magellan TV, I would have said, no, nah, probably not. I mean, you know, it seems a little esoteric, uh, but it was playful and it was fun and it was scientific and people really, really enjoyed it. And so, um, you know, you always have to create space for those kinds of magical things to happen. And, you know, and that's, that's part of the fun of running the services. We get to experiment with that every day. I think that's a great point. You never know what's going to kind of resonate and something that you might have um, may resonate later. So another example, I was watching um, Ticket to the Future, the evolution of travel. I, I love, And what I loved about that show um, or that program was that I got to learn so much about the history of travel, which was fascinating. Um, and But I'm leaning more into it now because we're coming back into a period where we can actually travel again. We weren't able to do that. So now I have a greater appreciation for travel. I used to travel all the time for my job. And that was the big change for me in the last year was yeah. a real halt on that. And, you know, uh, which I didn't hate, you know, I mean, when you, I was gonna say, did you, did you miss it or was it okay? <laughs> it was a mixed bag. I mean, you know, when the TSA is like, knows you by name, you know, uh, which was yeah. true <laughs> to the point, like, where are you going this week? You know, or I, I always joke that I always have to keep the sleeves to my hotel keys. Well, I should just start using a digital key is what I should start doing. But my phone's always dying. So anyway, I always keep the hard copy of the key and I have to keep the sleeves because sometimes I'm like, I don't know which Marriott I'm in today. You know, I can't keep them straight. So it was nice to have a reset and a break. But, you know, something like that where, you know, travel or there, you know, you've got a lot of different things. You've got history, science, true crime, nature. So there could be things happening in the world that pop up and spike, um, you know, spike interest in that, too. Uh, I'm kind of curious, like if if you were to meet somebody who said, hey, I'm new to Magellan TV, I just signed up. What would be some things that you recommend that they check out and start with? Sure. Well, first I'd ask them, I'd say, look, we're really strong in history. We're really strong in science, nature, true crime. If those are your passions, then we most likely have something for you. So if they said, you know, one of the areas that's really kind of blown up in the last year, I think not just for Magellan TV, but for everyone is true crime. People are very interested in that and um, tends to skew a little female, but you'd be surprised. It's not just a female driven audience. Um, and there's, you know, we have Magellan TV has a really deep collection of true, true crime content. And some of the things that have been really popular, um, one that's sort of trending right now is called The Family Who Vanished. Uh, and it's a great, great story. It's a mystery story, really, about a UK family in the UK who one day woke up and they were just gone. And uh, and people tried to figure this out. Um, and I won't give any of it away. I'll let people go, go check it out themselves. Um, we have a really great, in that crime genre, there's a really great um, story called The Family, about the Manson family, really artfully done piece about the Manson family. We actually have a few uh, films on that subject in general, but this one show I'd call out. Uh, we have another one called The Parachute Murder Plot. You may recall this story from years back where um, a woman's parachute failed. She darn nearly died. Um, and as they started piecing together what had happened, the gaze of suspicion started to shift from an accident uh, to her loved ones. And so I'll let that I'll let that story go too. So in the crime genre, those are really popular. Um, in the space genre, we uh, I'd probably shout out a couple of original Magellan TV productions. Um, we do a fair bit of space uh, original uh, programming that we create in-house. Um, 
One coming up that's premiering uh, globally on Magellan TV is called Mars Calling. It comes out on August 19th. Uh, and it's all about the human, uh, it's really about the historic relationship humanity has had with Mars and our quest to explore and understand Mars and possibly live there one day. So that's Mars Calling. Um, in the last year, we had a very successful original production called Venus, Death of a Planet. And the question was, well, you know, Earth and Venus are so close and so similar. Why did Earth go on to thrive and Venus became a dead, hostile world? Um, so that's a kind of a wonderful kind of space mystery, if you will. Um, I love, yeah, that's very timely as, as we have, um, you know, billionaires uh, projecting themselves up into space right now. Yes. <laughs> One after the other, right? So, oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. These issues and these questions are going to become you know, more and more relevant. Uh, well, and I, I think it's just an area that's always been really fascinating. Now, you also touched on true crime, and I think you're right there, too. Now, my challenge anytime I watch something that's true crime related is to not multi-screen and mm. Google, fall down a Google hole and like find out what, because I want to research, you know, and, and I have to really exercise my patience just to let the story unfold. And then usually what I do after is take a secondary deep dive and and look in the background behind that too. Um, so as to not cut, sort of spoil the story, unless it's something super well-known that everyone already sure, knows. Sure, sure. You know, sometimes it's fun to follow stories that are well-known. You may even know the story, but in mm -hmm. their telling of it, reminds you of the things you liked about the story. Maybe you learn a new piece about it. And you know, I want to take a sec just to talk about that, that um, sort of snowballing of interest. Um, we know people want to do that at Magellan TV. When you watch the show, that's great, but you might be hungry for more. And so we have a whole section of Magellan TV that is articles, more in-depth articles about various aspects of particular stories or tangentially related, but we think are interesting that aren't covered in a documentary. They're not covered in that documentary, but our writers write about them and, and produce articles. So on Magellan TV, on the website, you will see there's a whole section that's just related to articles. Yeah, I noticed that. And I thought, gosh, that's so smart because you're doing the work for me, which is great. And it kind of reminded me of, you know, back in the day when you would get like your, you know, limited edition DVD with the director's commentary, and then there'd be different content within that experience. And like, this is like the evolution of that in some ways. And it's all in one place, though, too. And probably stitched together and curated um, versus like the piecemeal way that you could do that. So that's a very innovative uh, move and something you can do very naturally because you are factual content, right? Well, and the, and the medium and the environment, at least in the online, when you're at your desktop mm -hmm. and on the phone as well, I mean, it, it really lends itself to that. It's very, it's seamless. It, it's, it's the thing that's interesting about technology is you tend to, as, as a content creator or a programmer, you tend to see the technology through the lens of how you used to do things, right? So you're like, oh, well, here's a, Here's a you know a technology that allows us to stream uh, kind of programs across uh, this new technology. But actually, the new technology has capacities that, if you think about it, are different and then can create different experiences. So, marrying content with articles—that just it's very natural in that in that space. Yeah, it definitely is. I love that aspect of it too. You know, the other uh, the other um, one I fell right into. I love crime, but then I loved the de the Deadly Dates series. Oh yes. Um, I mean, I'm single, so <laughs> it's like, hmm, cautionary. Mm, yeah, no, that's I don't <laughs> like. You know, we can we can, no. we can speculate on the reasons, but that's been a very popular series, Deadly Dates. 
I mean, it's it's really a fascinating world and, and sort of this like part catfishing and then the, the sinister side of it too. And hopefully uh, that is the exception, not the rule in that space. But I mean, I have, I thought that that was just so well done too. Um, so, okay, so here we are, 2021. Um, you know, you've really gotten off to such an amazing start with Magellan TV. What's, what's next on the docket for you? Uh, your background is so impressive. You've got you know, work with Nat Geo and, and you've worked with Disney and you've worked with the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. And I'm going to throw in here as your unofficial publicist that you are also a multiple award um, winning um, person in this space too. So you bring some really great experience. What's your, what do you see on the horizon for Magellan TV? Well, that's a great question. You know, the Magellan TV in the next year is going to be pushing out distribution is really kind of the name of the game right now. We've got the programming. We have great content. We have a, a, a great core audience that really loves it. But there's still millions, billions of people who don't yet know how to access it or can't access it super easily. So our goal is to make sure that Magellan TV is in front of people on any platform they happen to be in front of, whether it's smart TVs or set-top boxes somewhere. We need to make sure they have access to it. So there's a lot of work going on in that distribution side. We have a whole team that's doing working on distribution. And then the other side is to make sure technologically that the that user experience remains kind of simple and cutting edge. So we actually have a new user interface coming out um, later this summer, early in the fall, and that's going to roll out across all the platforms. So it'll be even better to use, easier to access the content you want to see. Um, so that's kind of frontline stuff. And we will continue to create new and original programming and make sure that that Magellan TV content offering is top best in class um, so that we can you know, continue to make good on this promise we make, which is television worth watching. Yeah, television worth watching. I love that. You've you've mentioned that a couple of times. I know that's sort of the cornerstone of the Magellan TV uh, vision and mission and brand. I think that might be kind of a great way to kind of wrap things up to television worth watching. What makes something worth watching? What is, what's the key there when you think about kind of story and connection? That's really what the focus of this show is, is how do we develop connection? What would your answer be to that? Well, I, I think you know, it's about an emotional response. So you're going to watch a piece of programming. You're going to first think it resonates with something that you're excited about. And then after you've watched it, do you feel better? Do you feel like you are smarter, better, stronger, more connected, um, more capable of sharing things you're passionate about with somebody else? Um, you know, when you come away from that viewing experience, you, you want to feel uplifted. Um, in some way. And, and that's, that's what we have to deliver on. And I think that's why people subscribe. Um, and that's why they give the gift of subscription to their friends and family. I can definitely see that. And it feels really authentic and organic. I mean, again, just in my personal experience with Magellan myself, I, I just found myself having that emotional response and then very naturally wanting to share that experience with other people too. I think that's great advice for other brands to kind of lean into and think about what is their version of that in their own industry? How, how are they thinking about it from the perspective of the viewer or the consumer and what you want to leave them with? And that's really, I think what you're talking about here, Greg. So Thank you so much. Um, this has just been a, such a fascinating conversation. As I said, I love the space. I love what you're doing. 
with Magellan TV. I cannot um, recommend it enough to anyone who's who's watching or listening and just really appreciate your insights and your time. Oh, Sarah Grace, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Appreciate you taking the time. Great to have you here. Thank you.